Let's go. No, seriously, let's go. Come on. If you have not been on a 10-day trip or overseas with every nation, I highly encourage it. I'm a little biased because I had a life-changing experience. 10 days says, change your life, change your church, or change the world. Right? All three of those things. So I watch that video and I think, wow, how can we change the world? And it's an amazing thing when you get to go overseas and you get to see people truly transform in front of you. Right? In Australia, we watched a, we watched a campus ministry that really wasn't a campus ministry. It was a campus pastor, and he was struggling. He was having a little bit of a hard time trying to get something going. So we go over there, and we just saturated two campuses, um, 75,000, 80,000 people between the two. I'm sorry, no. It's closer to 100,000 people between the two campuses, half mile apart. So we're over there, and in all, we see over 40 people give their life to Christ. There's like seven, eight baptisms, something like that, and we're still getting pictures of how new people are coming to Christ. New people are starting to see what Jesus can do in their lives, and they're wanting to be a part of this campus ministry, wanting to be a part of these small groups that they're doing. And they're baptizing more and more every day. They're making disciples as they're being disciples. Right? And I had no intention to even speak on that, but it made me think about what we are talking about today. So we're launching a brand new series today. It's called What Lies Beneath. And what we're talking about are those things that are just below the surface of our lives, right? What do we have on the inside or down inside here that's causing us to live a life not fully in God? What's inhibiting us? What's stopping us from doing fully what God wants from us? Right? Some of these things that we're going to talk about are things that we don't normally talk about at church. It's something that the church doesn't normally address from the pulpit. And some of these will be tough conversations. For some of you, we're going to touch some sensitive spots on you or we might uncover something that's right at the surface. Things that you thought have been buried and dead and just way down below. But to be honest, we all know that if you think something is buried inside you and dead, it is not. It will come back to life inside of you. And it will cause great harm. And we talk about these things not because we're wanting to shame anybody, not because we're pointing a finger at anybody, but God wants a life with you and He wants you to be fully alive in Him. And so we're going to talk about these in hopes that God brings to light that thing that's inside of you that's a trap or a wall or a chain that's binding you, holding you back. Right? This thing that, that God is saying, hey, if you'll give this to me, I can heal you because I want to heal you. See, some of these things... They're just dangerous to us. I don't have another word for it. It's dangerous to us. Today I get to talk about shame. Shame is something that, something that I have some personal experience with. I have a little bit of authority on shame. I spent my life living as an addict because of my shame. And then I tried to hide my shame. I tried to push my shame down which just caused me to sin more, right? And I didn't realize how destructive that shame was for me and how destructive that shame was for those around me until I gave it all over to God. Now, shame can be caused by a lot of things in our lives. It can come from how we view ourselves, how we, we think we stack up to society and to the world around us. Shame can come from the things that we've done to other people or maybe the things that we didn't do for somebody. 
Shame can come from things that have been done to us. We can certainly carry shame as a victim. Maybe it's things that we're currently doing. Things that we've recently been involved in. Old habits die hard, don't they? Addictions don't just go, do they? Maybe it's just circumstances we find ourselves in. It's, it's not something that we intended for. It's not something we were trying to do. But we ended up in a situation and then we're just ashamed of where we are or where we're not in life. Which goes back to that first one. It doesn't really matter what your shame is. What brand of shame you carry. But when you put that down inside of you and you try to deal with it yourself. It's never going to work. So guys, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get after it. If you're a note taker, I am delighted to tell you that I have more than two Bible verses. That's not something I typically do. <laughs> I'm short on Bible verses, but not today. Um, and we're going to talk about the biblical foundations and reasons why shame isn't something that we should carry around with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a beautiful worship set for Wes and Callie, having been in our lives before, for coming back to visit and just blessing us with their beautiful voices. God, thank you for such a wonderful song set, your reckless love. God, everything we want to give to you. Father, we're asking you to break apart these things inside of us today. These things we need to repent for, maybe these things that we hold on to. We're asking you, God, just to break that stronghold, to chip away. And we're going to give those to you, Father. We're asking you for complete and total healing because we want to serve you. We want to love you because you loved us first. Jesus, we love you. Simply stated, you are awesome. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Guys, Jesus does really change everything, does he not? So who is in your head? Who's in your head? I got to ask this at ENC. That's our Every Nation Campus meeting a couple weeks ago. What drives you? What motivates you? What causes you to do the things you do or say the things you say? In the context of that evening, I, we were specifically talking about like social media. What do you concentrate on? What are you reading? Maybe who are you hanging around with? What's, what's circling around you that's influencing you? For today's purpose, though, I'm asking you, what's that driver inside of you? What's that voice? Because all of us, every single person sitting in this room has a voice, some of us more, inside your heads, right? The most talented, the most uber successful people in the world have a voice inside their head that drives them. For those of us who feel like, this is me by the way, on the lower end of productivity, we also have a voice inside of us, don't we? It's always antagonizing us. It's always telling us we're not good enough, not smart enough, we're not learned enough. And we mask that voice inside of our head. We push it below the surface. And we give it a myriad of other titles for the things that we do or the things that we say at certain times. But the name of that voice inside of our head usually is shame. Shame is a powerful tool of the enemy. It causes us to not see us as God wants us to be seen. See, shame can be like a boulder in the middle of a river. 
If you've ever looked out at a river and it looks smooth across the surface as it gently flows downstream, it looks cool, calm, and maybe even inviting, right? But down below that surface where you can't see, you can find a boulder lodged in the soil. And as the water flows downstream, it slams into this boulder. And then it has to turn left and turn right or it has to go over the top, maybe even underneath it. But when it presses into the boulder, it causes a disturbance, doesn't it? The water starts to roil and toil and roll. It causes a current that can be dangerous, maybe even deadly to the most expert of swimmers. Because that water, when it, when it hits that thing, when it hits this large mass, it creates a pressure and it disrupts this flow. And that's what causes what we call current. Shame can be just like that boulder. We could shove it down inside of us. We could think that this shame is so far deep down inside of us that it affects nobody. But truth be told, that shame is always going to be affecting us. It's always going to cause a disruption in the natural flow of things. That's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt those around us. Always. And God wants us to give that boulder up to Him. He wants us to take that shame and give it over to Him. And we're going to go through several um, biblical passages that talk about why shame is unbiblical, why it's not from God. And He's asking you today, when you hear these words, think about what you hold on to. Think about that view you have of yourself. Think about how you are trying to stack yourself up against what you've done, who you are, how you view yourself. And God's going to ask you, the Holy Spirit's going to ask you, are you giving yourself over to God today? Or are you keeping at peace for yourself? Maybe shame comes from how you view yourself, honestly. I identify with this one from an early age. Maybe it's, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not fast enough, strong enough, or maybe simply I'm just not enough. And when we start to think like that, that's the lens at which we see ourselves. And we begin to call that truth to ourselves. But simply stated, that is not truth. Note takers, beware. Psalm 139. <laughs> Everybody would turn to Psalm 139, verse 14. God didn't design us to feel ugly or to feel less than. In Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them had come to be. Say this with me. Ready? Your works are wonderful. I don't believe you. Your works are wonderful. There we go. That's a little bit better. Thank you. Guys, that's King David. He's in a time of troubled spirit and doubt. And he's calling out to God. But before he does so, he acknowledges what he knows to be true, how God feels about each and every single one of us. 
fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Repeat that. I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works, God, are wonderful. Who am I? I was made fearfully and wonderfully. God says, I made you to be like me. Right? God loves us. He planned us. He ordained all of your days before you ever came to be. He knew you before you were created. I don't want you to believe that because the Bible tells me so. I want you to believe that deep down in your heart and know that that's who God is for you and to you. He made us beautiful and He made us in His likeness. So that's how we know we shouldn't feel shame about the way we look or how we stack up to society's rules. What about sin? What about feeling shame about the things I've done? You know, some of us feel shame about our past or maybe even our current situation, where we're at and what we're doing. I can also buy into this one because, like I said, I had this shame over how I felt about myself, which led me to a life of addiction, which led me to a life of shame, which caused me to just recycle. But if you turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is after Genesis. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. That joke gets old to my wife, but it never gets old to me. Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting people's sins against them. Say, not counting. Not counting. No, say it with me. Not counting. not counting. See, God just told you, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. David said, all your works are wonderful. Paul just said, God doesn't count your sins against you, does he? In 1 Peter, right, Peter walked with Jesus, and he's going to weigh in on this when he says, He himself bore our sins. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, I struggled with that one because I didn't understand how God could take who I was, what I had done. Some, some of you have heard me talk about that moment in the car. Valerie and I had left church, and I said, I'm struggling. I just can't give it over to God because I don't understand. What I didn't say in that moment is, how could God possibly love me after what I have done? The thing is, by his wounds, you have been healed, right? That's amazing stuff. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed. And probably the most amazing thing to me, the, the, the part that I couldn't get over, but I finally come to understand was, 
There is no exclusionary clause in those verses, is there? By his wounds you have been healed, except for. God no longer counts your sins against you unless it was. That's simply not in there, is it? So carrying the shame with us over who we used to be is not what God wants for us. Carrying shame over how we view ourselves compared to what society says we should look like, talk like, act like, work, what degree we should get, what job we should have, what car. Yes, I want to black that F-250, but if I don't have one, I'm not a less of a person, am I? God didn't make the F-250. He made me fearfully and wonderfully. He forgave me my sins. He does not count them against me. And I was healed at that moment by His wounds. You see how there's a string? And listen, these are just the verses I picked out. We could go through the whole Bible, this whole story of redemption, and we could string together verses to tell you that what we feel inside ourselves when shame takes root is a lie. Now I'm going to keep going because this is fun for me. I'm kidding, it's not. <laughs> but you see, guys, the devil uses shame to cause us to doubt, doesn't he? He wants us to be off balanced. He causes us to think that God's plan for us simply can't be obtained. I can't be a good husband because of the hurt that I've caused. I'll never be able to marry and be a good husband or a man because of how much I struggle with lust. Maybe for a woman it's, I can't be a good wife because of the abuse I've suffered. Or maybe I'll never be the wife that he wants because I don't look like the girls in the magazines or the ones he sees on the internet. I can't be a good student because of how dumb I am. I just don't get it. I'm not a good person. It could simply be, I can't lead a small group pastor because of all the mistakes I make. Even, I'm not a good Christian because I don't read the Bible to pray enough. Good morning, my name's Davis, and I'm here because I don't read the Bible and pray enough. Right? We could all use a support group for that one, but it doesn't mean we're a bad person. We're not a bad Christian. We're humans. Right? That's the human condition. Do you guys remember the story of the princess and the pea? Does anybody know that story? Raise your hands. Princess and the pea, right? So this young girl goes to this castle in the middle of a storm, and she's seeking shelter. Seeking shelter. Now the mom of the castle, she's a queen. She's got a son. He happens to be a prince. Not an artist formerly known as. He's just a prince. And she's been looking for a wife for this guy, right? And this young lady, as she's looking for shelter, she says, hey, I'm a princess. And the mom's like, yeah, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Go upstairs, go to sleep, we'll put you up for the night. But to test this theory, is she a princess? She takes a small pea, just this really tiny, small thing, and she puts it under 20 mats and 20 mattresses made of feathers. The next morning, the princess gets up, and she comes downstairs, and she complains about a sleepless night because something hard was in her bed, so hard that she feared it bruised her. 
All of a sudden, rejoicing breaks out by the mother because she realizes that only a person of royalty could have felt this. Right? Could you imagine a tiny little pea? Now, I'm not royalty, so I cannot imagine this. A tiny pea under 20 feather beds and 20 more mats disturbing your sleep. But shame is a lot like that, man. We carry this down inside of us and we think, I'm okay. No, really. It's all cheers, mates. Or, no, guys, I'm tops. Really, I'm cool. But you're not, are you? See, on the outside, you're carrying this mask that it's all good, but on the inside, it pokes at you. See, as a husband, I can tell this story, but as a husband, most of you guys are going to relate. If you've done something that you know you shouldn't have done, something that brings you a little bit of shame, then you try to pack it down inside of it. You try to hide it from God or you try to hide it from your, your spouse. And you go on trying to live life like normal. And it might not affect you right away, but eventually the shame is going to get to you. Now part of that is the Holy Spirit telling you, you need to repent, you need to turn from. And that's good. We call that godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is what I'm going to call shame. I'm going to combine them right now. And that shame, it irritates you, it pokes at you, it just... And it irritates you, does it not? And pretty soon you begin to respond to things and act in ways that are not like you. And the only thing you could say when your wife asks you what's wrong is nothing. And by the way, it doesn't change. Nothing gets better. It will only get worse until you can find a way to give it over to God. You have to give it out. You have to push it outside of you and get it out in the open. With God, sometimes with your spouse, she has to know at times. But it will not get better. Maybe to the detriment of, of, of the relationship, you can keep it down long enough that, that this unbalanced life becomes the norm. But I promise you, that never ends well. It's just a little bit of shame. It was just this one thing. And it causes me to think that, that this is going to ruin my entire life. This one thing that I did, this one thing that I've done a long time ago, it's going to break everything. And I'm ashamed of it, but I can't tell her. But it just disrupts the natural flow. Just like that boulder we talked about earlier, right? So see, it starts as that little pea. And then it becomes something that your life just keeps slamming into. That's what shame does to us. That's how shame affects us. So you can try and put it down. And hold on to something that God tells you is not yours. But eventually, it's going to come back up. See, God wants all of us. And we have this shame. You know, it's, it's like we put it in one of those things that... Does anybody remember the bank tellers? You had to put the... Remember those? Only those of us over 30 really know. Right? But it's like we take one of those and we put our shame in there and we swallow it like a pill. Well, God wants all of you. And when that bottle is sitting in there, God can't get to that place. He can move around it. He can try and push it to the side. But as long as you keep putting it back, He can't get to you and all of you. And God wants a relationship with all of you. Wes talked about it. They sang about it.
God chases you for that. And then Wes, man, he talked about it. He was taking my sermon in that moment. And I was like, this is awesome. This is Holy Spirit driven. He hasn't even talked to me. And he knows. But God wants all of you listening to this, not because of what you have done or what you can do tomorrow. He just simply loves you that much. See, he made you fearfully and wonderfully, didn't he? You repeated it. All your works are wonderful. Then he forgave you your sins, paid for by Jesus, and he no longer counts them against you. So who are we to start arguing with God about what we can and cannot hold on to? If you'd go to Ephesians with me. Paul's talking a little bit about this on the side, but it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and he says, For it is by the grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm sorry I start laughing, but that brings me great joy. Listen to this. It is a gift of God. Say it with me. It is a gift of God. Thank you. It is a gift of God. And a little bit further down, he says, we are God's handiwork. Paul is basically quoting what David wrote in Psalms. We are God's handiwork. What did David say about the handiwork? It's wonderfully made, was it not? Yeah. And he created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's offering that to us. That's not why he's doing that. So what's the shame I'm holding on to? I can't ever do this. Says who? See, in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Skip down to verse 33, says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Say no one. No one. Now, who can bring a charge against you? Wait, who can bring a charge against you? No one can bring a charge against you. No one. Who are we to argue with God in this? When that means no one, Davis cannot bring a charge against himself. Right? God is for us. Jesus has interceded for us and he's still interceding for us. But seriously though, if God no longer judges us for our past, then who are we to carry our past with us and argue that point that we're not good enough for something? See, that's a very powerful tool of the enemy to get us to doubt. Satan wants you to doubt yourself because he cannot. God does not. And he tells us that we're not supposed to judge ourselves. See, be with me. Satan cannot judge you for something you've repented for. God will not judge you for something you've repented for. And I don't have 
the authority, do I? I don't have the authority to judge myself in that moment. But God, I, I don't. But God, I did. Davis, you're not good enough. Oh, you know what? You're right. God, I'm not good enough because the devil. Oh, I'm not. You're not counting that against me. Now I got to go do what you've asked me to. Now I want to go do what you've asked me to because it turns out you've justified me. Right? That's what God does. He says, I want you in my family. I'm going to pay a price for you. And guess what? Once I pay that price, it's done. See, shame eats at us. Shame tears at us as we hear these voices. I'm not smart enough, not pretty enough. I've sinned too much. I lust too much. I'm not a good person. I don't read my Bible enough. But those lies that you hear, those are not spoken to you from your Creator. They're not spoken to you from Jesus. That's from a voice that has no authority in your life. It's from a voice that, that doesn't belong in your life. You're allowing that voice there. And the Holy Spirit's poking, prodding at some of us right now. He's right. I'm letting something speak to me that has no authority over my life. In Galatians chapter 5, if you go with me there to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul's talking to the Romans. He's talking about um, the law that people give, right? I shouldn't say that people give. He's talking about the law um, that the Jewish people lived under and how new Christians were being held to um, old Jewish people were holding new Christians accountable to the law. And he was saying that's simply not the truth. That's not what you're being held to. That's not the standard anymore. And in this context, this shame that we feel, I'm not a good person. I've done too much lust. I've looked at too much porn. I've done too many drugs. I've lied too much. I didn't do enough for this person over here. That's you judging yourself to a law that no longer exists. Right? That's you holding yourself accountable for a, a price that you don't have to pay. One of the, the dictionary um, interpretations of shame is the cause or reason of shame, that which brings reproach and degrades a person in the estimation of others. In the estimation of others. I just asked you, who can bring a charge against you? Who can judge you besides God? You're part of no one, are you not? You're the only person that can even question yourself. And you don't have the authority to do that. By God's grace, He took it from you. Guys, I don't speak to you. I'm speaking to myself. See, I wrestled with this message a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to call Andy and I want to say, Andy, I can't preach on the 7th of October because I'm a mess. Andy, I'm not doing the right things in my life every day. I don't have the authority to stand on that stage and talk about what God wants for my life. 
I was dealing with doubt and I was dealing with shame. It was eating me from the inside. And then I started to read these verses again. I was like, wow, God, I don't have the authority to judge myself. I don't have the authority to look at myself and say, hey, you, you can't do that. I can't hold myself accountable to something that God's already forgiven me for. He goes on in Galatians, in verse 7, he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Who cut in on you? Who's in your head? I didn't cut in on you today. This was the other part. Who cut in on you? I was self-inflicted. God wasn't, God wasn't judging me a couple of weeks ago. My wife wasn't judging me a couple of weeks ago. I was judging myself because I was holding on to something and I was thinking I wasn't worthy of something. I was thinking I don't belong. That didn't come from my father, did it? That didn't come from, from a God who made me made me wonderfully in his likeness and I wasn't buying in or believing that I am wonderfully made I was letting shame crowd into me see God has a plan for you it's a plan that, that he made a long time ago but you have to know that God knew you were going to be messy. God knew you were going to make mistakes. See, God knew that you were prone to be human. He understood that. And he watched for years as the people he called to him made so many mistakes and so many wrong decisions. that the chasm between he and they was so far, we couldn't get back. So he made a way. Jesus came and paid that price. See, God wants his wonderful works to be back with him. He made you to be with him. He didn't make you to go do whatever it is you do for a living. He made you to be with him fully alive and he doesn't want you again listen God doesn't want you in his family because of what you are capable of he just wants you because he loves you simply put it's final it's just because he loves you guys Romans chapter 6 he says what shall we say then shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we are we are those who have died to sin how can we live in it any longer don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we are therefore buried with him through baptism in the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may have a new life.
Come on. We too may have a new life. So who am I two weeks ago to literally be on my knees at the white chair, we call it at my house, face down on that cushion, going, God, I'm a failure. I stink at this. I'm horrible. I keep wrestling with this thing. See, this shame, especially shame over sin, but shame over everything, it causes us to come back to it. You heard me say in my own life, that's what happened. See, if you deal with porn, if you have shame over porn, guess what you're going to go back to? Porn. If it's over drugs, you're going to go back to drugs. If you are a self-loathing person, you have a low self-esteem, and you see yourself as less than or ugly or not worthy, you're either going to be over-the-top vanity or you're going to live a reckless life, maybe even hurting yourself out of your loathing for yourself. None of those things are biblical. None of those things are what God wants for you, from you. So if I carry this with me, if I carry the shame inside, then eventually it's going to fester up inside of me, isn't it? It's going to bubble up. It's going to take the place of what God has called me for. It's fearfully, wonderfully made. Jesus died for my sins. He healed me. God no longer counts it against me. No one else can judge me. So what is the shame that I hold on to? So what do we do with it, Davis? What do we do with it? I hear you up there, you're talking about shame. And yeah, I've got some shame over my past. I've got some shame over some things I've done. You know, we can ask God now to start working on it. Maybe we're in anguish over habits. Maybe we're ashamed because of something that we haven't brought to light with God. We've tried to keep it away. We've tried to forget it and hide it. Which hiding something from God is kind of a moot point. But, you know, we try. But maybe... Maybe we're just ashamed about the way we feel and we realize that that's not what God wanted for our life. Everybody in here deals with shame. All of us, every person in this room is prone to it at one point or another. But when it becomes the lens in which we see ourselves, when we are clearly not seeing ourselves as God sees us, we're not looking at ourselves like our Father sees us. We're not being the people that He wants us to be. We're not living out His plan. See, sometimes we can feel like we're doing all the right, or we're making all the right moves, but we're not moving, are we? We're standing still. But it's because we're not leaning in to what God says again and again and again in His Word. We're beautiful. He forgave us our sins. He will not judge us, and no one else can. Note takers, let me give you one more verse. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's verse 2 and 3. Paul's quoting the prophet Isaiah and he says, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
I know there's people in the room right now that this message was speaking to you. We were poking the soft spot. But God wants you to know, young lady, what happened to you wasn't your fault. Young man, what happened to you wasn't your fault. You need not carry that shame. Husband, I forgave you. You have to forgive yourself. Wife, you have to forgive yourself. In this moment, guys, I'm going to ask you if you want to get rid of it, if you want to give it up, if you want to hand it over to God, He can start the process right now. And it is a process. But I don't want you to be afraid of that. I'm going to tell you that any work that we put into this recovery, any, any time spent, any effort put forth is worth what happens on the other side when we're free of this thing. So I'm going to open the altar. I'm going to tell you, we're not raising hands, we're not bowing heads. If you want to get rid of shame today, if you want to get rid of something you've been holding on to that you know God wants because He wants it all, I'm going to ask you to come down front. I'm going to ask you to come down front. Somebody's going to pray with you. And don't leave until somebody prays with you. We're all dealing with something, every single one of us. Just listen. like you did. Perfect. You made us fearfully and wonderfully. And after we got so far, you called us back. Jesus, you paid a price that none of us earned, none of us deserved. And why we judge ourselves against your sacrifice and your father's words we have no clue it's a powerful lie God we're asking you for complete healing today dislodge these things from inside of us take them Father we praise you and we just want to be a part of your family we want to lean in and do more be with us in this moment. Jesus, thank you for your healing powers.